Chicago Where the fire serve cold But the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south The Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house True Chicago sports fans got their ears to the street. Any team make a move and they never skip a beat And in this house, this is where we be Welcome to the show with E-Rock and Big Z Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chicago Coming from the True Chicago Sports Fan Cave This is the TCSF Podcast with your host E-Rock and Big Z Yeah Episode 15 is brought to you by Noir Caesar Villain Radio Studios And Grit Clothing Company Yes sir This week we have a superstar lineup in 3 and Out, our weekly Bears analyst, Il Brown, gives us his X's and O's on the Bears game versus the Carolina Panthers. And we look ahead to Monday Night Football against those pesky Los Angeles Rams. That's uh, right. Hope they rammed their head into a loss. <laughs> <laughs> and E, I'm super excited about our special guest this week. Yeah. Ozzie Guillen Jr., Wow. Son of the 2005 World Series champion manager of the White Sox. Nice. Ozzy Jr., along with his dad and his brother Oni, are the stars of Being Gian on LaVidaBaseball.com. He would join us later to discuss the White Sox and talk to us about the Ozzy Gian Foundation. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but first, this is The Loop, our Chicago sports roundup, where we keep you in the loop. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome Welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. What's up first, Iraq? Yo, yo. We got the Cubs and their marquee network. They have a partnership going on with the Chicago Bears. Really? So now they have the Bears and the Big Brother, the Cubs, on. That's right. Or is well, it backwards? No, because that, that's where the, that's where the Cubs got their name from. The Cubs, Cubs actually came from when the Bears used to play at Wrigley Field, mm-hmm. and they says, "Oh, the 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 Bears or the Cubs are just smaller version of the Bears, so they actually call them Cubs." That's really where the name came from. So, and here's the other thing too: if you didn't know, uh-huh. the Bears colors came from the University of Illinois. I did not know that. Yeah, Look at see, that. Oh, Look at yeah, that. You're I'll just look. full of tidbits there. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the Bears and the uh, Marquee Network, um, they have a partnership. It's going to start soon. Um, they have a weekly show. Um, it is going to be called Bear Essentials. It's going to air every Tuesday evening, and you're going to have your uh, your host, Cole Wright. Uh, he used to be on the NFL Network. Okay. Uh, so he'll be the host of the show, and you're going to have some Bears personnel and some analysts. Oh, um, sounds good. And then you're also going to have a two-hour director's cut of the re-airing of the most recent Bears uh, games. And the only problem is, is that you are going to have some blackouts. Um, anyone outside the Chicagoland, Rockford, or South Bend area will not get to view this programming. Uh, well, that sucks for everybody else, but good for us. <laughs> sorry. Not so sorry. All right. What's All right. up next? Uh, the Bulls. The, uh, you know, some small news here. The Chicago Bulls. Coach Billy Donovan shook up his staff. He did. Uh, letting go of his assistants, uh, Karen Stack Umloff. Umloff, yeah. Yeah, okay, got it right. Yes, first try. Uh, Dean Cooper, <laughs> and there's another Cooper we'll mention in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate 
Ooh, Losner. Losner, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And Roy Rogers. I mean, yeah. was he? Was he? A, yeah, he's a cowboy. Yeah. I got his trading cards some so for and some they, reason. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, they, they, he let him go all on Monday. Yeah. And Monday was a very busy day for the Reinsdorf teams. Well, they ain't got nothing else going on. <laughs> they might as well. <laughs> all right, he was going out with the Blackhawks. So Blackhawks. Um, so on Monday, on um, Columbus Day, Indi- Indigenous, Indigenous Day, Day. Yeah, we don't know, say that what, no more. Whatever we're calling it right now, um, officially in the in the government. Um, right now, uh, this week, the Blackhawks anniversary sculpture outside the UC. Uh, it was covered in graffiti and red paint. Um, obviously, in a protest. We kind of went over this before. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, look, I, I, I get it. I get that it can be offensive. The Blackhawks symbol, their logo is a tribute. It is not meant to be offensive. It is nowhere near the reason why they changed the name of the Washington football team in the NFL. No. That was extremely offensive. It talks about the skin color of a certain people. This is completely different. There's a different thing that's going on here. Okay. Yeah, this I, I mean, get it, but come on, guys. This is overkill. Um, if you're not knowledgeable about the history of the Blackhawks, you're right. you're taking matters into your own hands without knowing the actual story behind right. the actual name of the Blackhawks, why they're named that, because of the tribe that was in the area of the Chicagoland area. Yes. Uh, and it honors their chief. So we don't we don't we don't want to get political on the show whatsoever. You can call it po- politics. You can call it whatever you want. Just understand that this is meant to honor the tribe and not to degrade them. Right. All right. Moving on. The uh, other team that the Rhinosaurus own, you know, <laughs> the good boys in black, mm-hmm. the, the White pa- Sox. The Pale Hose. The Pale Hose, that's right. They, quote, unquote, mutually agreed to part ways with both Ricky Renteria and Don Cooper. Yeah, but I think... Pause. But pause. I, I think something else really happened there. They got Fired. Fired. They they pooped their bag this season at the end of <laughs> August and September, beginning of September. And you know what? You got what you deserve. See ya. Thanks for everything. We'll what see you later. Be, yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we've both been calling for the firing of Renteria, uh-huh. and, and we got what we wanted. All Ricky right. We, and, you know, we had our fans reach out to us and said, hey, you guys called it. Yeah, we did. Yep. More, there's tons of reason why. Um, Coop was with uh, the pitching coach for about 18 years. Uh, I think it was your organization for about 23. It's too long. I mean, at some point, the voice just gets stale in the room. Uh, yeah. Eight, uh, Cooper, you know, 18 years with the, with the uh, White Sox, 23 in total. Uh, yeah, but it was time to go. It was, it was time to go. It's just time. You know, his I message mean, was falling on deaf ears. He made some comments that shouldn't have been said uh, this past year. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about that. Look, Rick Hahn is doing a great job. Yes, he is. And what happened with him? Uh, Rick Hahn was awarded the Executive of the Year by Sporting News. Nice. Yeah, but wait. E, there's more. There's more. Oh, yes, sir. Jose Pito. Pito. <laughs> Obreu and Tim Anderson named All-Stars by Sporting News as well. No other first baseman or shortstop received any votes. Man, look, we've we've talked up and down about what's been going on with this squad. You mm-hmm. got a couple of guys yes. that are starting to move into what you want to call veteran territory. Yes. Doing a great job. I mean, you got Jose Pito, who's an MVP candidate. He should win mm-hmm. it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll find out in the next couple I mean, days. It sounds like he's getting awards all over the place. That's right. Uh, Jose Pito Abreu was also named Player of the Year by Sporting News and... He was awarded the Hank Aaron Award. This is given out to the most outstanding regular season offensive performer. Now the only award that we're missing is one more. MVP. MVP. That's right. MVP. 
All right. What uh, what else you got uh, on the other side of the town? Ooh. Um, so we're gonna slide over to uh, North Bend <laughs> or South Bend. South Bend. You gotta South take that Bend, train down North there. North Bend. Yeah, to... uh, we're gonna move over to South Bend, Indiana. We're gonna take a quick look over here. What happened? With the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and their game against the Louisville Cardinals, it was an ugly game. Notre Dame did pull it out, twelve to seven. <laughs> Baseball um, score. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it was bad. I, I, I didn't get to see the whole game. I'm watching clips here, mm -hmm. but they struggled at the end of the first half to get a touchdown. It was, was there just, a blizzard or something going on? Like it was four down. They couldn't convert. They just kind of went back and forth. Uh, considering like how they were able to score the previous week, it was just it just wasn't pretty. Um, you did have a standout again, Kyron Williams. 25 carries, 127 yards. Ian Book looked very pedestrian. Uh, 11 for 19, 106 yards. Um, you know, it was just, it was bleh. It was an it ugly was, game. It, it was, was an ugly game. Ugly. I mean, it's one of those games you take a win. But um, Notre Dame is probably going to still be ranked number four. But you're looking at, you're in a league uh, with the ACC with Clemson. Clemson scored 73 points against Georgia Tech. And that's why they're number one. If they play each other, it's gonna it's gonna be like a Tech Mobile game. It's it's gonna be ugly, and you have two players on Clemson. You have uh, Trevor Lawrence, and you have uh, Etienne, who came back to play um, their their senior. Uh, oh, Etienne came back to play his senior season, mm -hmm. and they're gonna smoke Notre Dame because now they're they're in the AC, ACC too. Yeah, it, that's gonna be ugly. So I mean, when that game comes on. You will find me watching something else because I don't want to get my watch my team. <laughs> You're gonna be in that fetal position. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I've seen the Bears do it enough. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I got for our, our little college, uh, our little college town in South Bend, Indiana. There. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's the loop. The doors are closing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Hey, true Chicago sports fans, show off your Chicago pride with some fresh gear from Grit Clothing Company. At Grit Clothing, they create simple, classic clothing that represents their Southside Chicago lifestyle. With products like hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and glassware, Grit has everything you need to represent your Chicago pride. Check out GritClothingCo.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% to your entire order. That's GritClothingCo.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. Are you ready for some football? Always, brother. It's time for some Bears talk. This is three and out. All right, all right, all right. What do we got today? I mean, we looked at the Bears. We watched the Bears game. We were excited. We were frustrated. Mm -hmm. But let's start with the offense. Do we know how to run the ball? Come I on. I don't think so. I don't think we know how to run the ball. 19 carries of 58 yards for Mr. Montgomery. That is not enough. We talked about it last episode. We said, feed him more. Feed me. Yeah. I mean, and, 58 yards is more than he's had. Uh, yeah. he. You know, I should have bet that today. <laughs> you know, the, I think the over and under was under 50 yards or something like that. But right. either way, it's not enough. Uh, it doesn't balance the offense. Right. Um, I'm not sure how many weeks we've talked about it or emphasized it on this show, but... 
we got to get Matt Nagy to listen to the show. Let me let me give you some comparison though. We had Montgomery with 19 carries for 58 yards. Yes, and a long of 12 yards. Mm-hmm. We had Mike Davis, former Bear, former part of Run DMC, which never <laughs> happened. 18 carries, 52 yards. He did have a touchdown technically. But again, a long of 12. So but we have a way better defense than Carolina does. So we should have rushed a lot more. Hey, All right. Hey, hey. Right. There's no reason. And this is this is one of my main points. There's no reason that on third and two with the clock running and, and we're trying to uh, not let them get the ball back. Yep. There's no reason that we're passing the ball on third and two. Yep. Run the damn ball. Nagy's getting cute. You you got to run the clock and fifteen seconds off the clock on that possession. That's yeah. that's horrible, yep. horrible. Yep. Absolutely. All right, all right. Let's transition to the quarterback there, Foles. Yeah. Mm, I mean, Foles is still in the house and everything, but you know what? He looked very average. Twenty three for thirty nine, one ninety eight yards, one hundred ninety eight yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he had a delay of game coming out of a timeout. Yeah, then, that was the, frustrating. In the first quarter, you you right after a timeout, you come back and you have a delay of game when you're trying to unacceptable. It, it, unacceptable. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, th- you're not you're not in high school ball where you don't know what's going on. Right. You you, you come out of a timeout, which you already know what the play is going to be. Quarterback comes in, reads the coverage. I get all that, but there's 35 seconds on the clock, right? right. I mean. Yeah. You know, you've got enough time to do all this stuff, all right? So he, he gets a delay of the game. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to see overthrows, which you're going to see on any yes. quarterback. So, I mean, he did have a couple overthrows. Yeah, and I, I, and I told you, I was like, did they sub Mitch back in? Because there's a bunch of overthrows here. <laughs> there, there was a few Mitch uh, Mitch throws that, <laughs> that uh, Nick Foles was out there doing. So Yeah, I mean, he did target Mooney five times, which is, an you know, an increase this yeah. year. I mean, he is your number two. Let's just stop. Let's stop fighting it. He's your number two, all right? And he did hit uh, come twice one for a touchdown yes sir yes, i mean sir. two two is not enough either man there was a cole Komet sighting Komet got his first nfl touchdown in the first quarter uh there was some confusion because we kept seeing jimmy graham come in and out and on and off the field during that first offensive uh series uh but then here comes my boy Komet with the route that jimmy normally gets mm-hmm. and my homie from notre dame finally gets involved <laughs> in the scoring yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's good to see the kid get some actually plays. We talked about it. Uh, we went live earlier today, and Correct. we 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 said, you know, we got to get touches to the running back, and we got to get commit some touches. He's a big boy that can catch. You brought him here for a reason. He's a second round pick. You're mm-hmm. wasting his talent. I mean, it was it was good to see him finally get on the field. You know, they they did do a good job today. Jimmy Graham had the second highest amount of targets with eight, mm-hmm. and the Bears did a good job today of spreading out the ball. Five different players with with at least three targets, and Foles did a great job of looking for the second option when the first target wasn't available. Mm, what about that defense, eh? Yo, <laughs> yo. Bears defense starting the game off right. Tayshawn Gibson with the INT off of the deflection to start the game deep in Panthers territory. It turned into that touchdown, Cole Komet touchdown for the Bears. Mm -hmm. They absolutely mauled 
little teddy bear Bridgewater in the first series, and it looked like they had a safety, but the refs saw it differently. I mean, Bridgewater was underwater. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he was drowning. Let's this would be. Let's be honest about that. And that should have been a safety. I'm sorry. The defensive player grabbed him at the goal line, and then and he was in the end zone. Yeah, he was. And then at the end, he was in the end zone. I mean, sorry. And, yeah, I mean, they. You know, all, you saw the players with the hands Every, above exactly. their head. You know, doing the little baby shark movement. That's and, right. And, and baby they shark. Yeah, man. Baby shark. Yeah, he was definitely, uh, that was definitely a safety. And uh, either way, we did score, but yeah, I hate I mean, when the, when refs yeah. shouldn't take off points off the, point, uh, off the board for no, us. No, no. All right, Kyle Fuller, again, proves to be a full-grown man. I'm a man. That's a full-grown man right there, okay? Yes, sir. The refs and the NFL dropped the ball on this one. He had a clean hit. It yes. was shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. Yes. They threw a flag in there. The ball was deflected. I mean, I, mean, I think it came out, right? Yeah. And, and and the Bears did pick it up. So that could have been a game changer right there. That could have gave you know the Bears the momentum to blow them out. Absolutely. I mean, I felt like this is going to be a blowout game the way the defense came out on fire. Yeah, but the refs thought it was flag football. Yeah, I, yeah. it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Now, we're used to I mean, if you watched our video earlier, you saw my boy Big Z wearing that old 85 Bears. Yes, sir. Uh, he, got the the sweater. he got the sweater on. I wore my Dicker glasses. He had the, the 85 Super Bowl Bears hat on. And we did our whole the Bears impression up there. But, I mean, we're used to that old school football where you can get the snot knocked out of you and, and you know, you, keep, you get up and keep playing. So. Man down. We got a man down. Mm-hmm. When we we talk about that kind of football, the linebackers were out here doing work again. Uh, Roe Smith with seven solo tackles, Trevathan with six solo. He looked a little slow, so they kind of moved Roe in his spot. So they kind of you know saw a little bit of movement, but uh, linebackers look good. Mac Attack is back with another sack. What we call a sack lunch. That's right. Return of the Mac is still here. That's right. He add on another sack from uh, Bilal Nichols in that first quarter. That's the one that looked like that that safety was should have been. Mm-hmm. And don't forget the interception that sealed the game at the end. DeAndre Houston Carson with that interception on the first pass from Bridgewater after the Bears did not convert on that third down at the end of the fourth quarter. And called that, it. That's the one that you called. And that's, that's right. The, that's when they should have ran the ball. This should have never been happened. This should have not happened in the first place. No. Because no. they if should you run, run the ball, ball, yes. You get that first down, you got to worry about it. But guess what? To give the ball back to the little teddy bear, first pass. What did you say? I said it's going to be an interception. And what happened? Interception. That's right, baby. <laughs> he called it interception. I was like, yo! I said, man, I wish we were recording that. Yeah, I wish we did record that. I wish we were recording that. Back but, to the future. Go yeah. put some shekels on this one. Yeah, we should have put some money on that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, to. To just give a little extra point there, I mean, you know, little excuse my pun. Cairo Santos went three for three, and he hit that fifty-five yard field goal. I mean, that was impressive. It, we we haven't seen a kicker kick a, uh, a field goal that gold, long. Gold for yeah, since Robbie. I mean, I don't think we Kevin ever Butler. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I think you did ask me if Butler, yeah. Butthead was the guy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, look. Overall, we we saw the Bears start. And end the game. With a lead. With an interception, sir. Oh, that too. You start the game with an interception, you finish the game with an interception. And like we were talking about before with our boy, Il Brown, what did he say? A little bit of lovey. A little bit of lovey, That's man. That's a lovey you philosophy gotta, right there. Sprinkle a little bit of lovey there. All right, y'all. Let's punt it over to our boy uh, for fourth down. Il Brown He's going to give us his good, bad, and ugly. What up, Will? How's it going? What's up, man? Another Bears win. Five and one. Looking good. No complaints on my end. Well, it's always complaints, yeah. but... There's always going to be complaints. <laughs> got a lot to clean up. 
five and one, but we still got a lot to clean up. All right, man. So what's your what's your good for us this week? Okay, so the good. Oh man, I'm jumping right on you guys' back, man. Defense. Uh what we at? Thirty percent on third downs for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh four sacks, three takeaways, two picks, a forced fumble, Eddie Jackson laying the wood on Mike Davis. Oh my God. Yes. You know and and then not getting his, his second pick six of the year or his oh, first pick man. six because since they took it away from him again. Oh, and, and they, 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 the, the league, man, league office, y'all owe Eddie Jackson so 12 of them things right now, man. Y'all owe him 12 That's of them right. things right now. Come on with this. Come on with these flags, man. Come on. It's ridiculous. So I'm going I'm to lead, lead you right into our bad then. Let's do it. Uh, the, the bad, <laughs> of course. Can't run the ball, man. <laughs> you cannot run the ball, man. Like, so, I, I, so is this an offensive line thing or is this uh, play calling? You know what? I, I just feel like they won't fully commit to the run. Mm-hmm. And strategically, it's starting to be a dead giveaway when the Bears actually do run the ball. Like, yeah. especially on, on rundowns where you have to have it. Teams already know what's happening, man. Like they have, yeah, their, they stack the box. Yeah, they they have their most successful uh, run uh, run plays uh, off off the zone read, where uh, you you not you know it's it's still you know zone read is still RPO. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, they they having right. some success out of that. Just just stick with that, man. Because when we getting <laughs> when we get in the I formation, we could when you bring three tight ends in a game. <laughs> Everybody was, knows right. what's going on. Oh my like, god, that was bad. That was bad. Like now, but here's you're the supposed thing, though, to be if, if, an offensive guru, man. Like this deal. I know what's going to happen when you bring in three tight ends. With the I formation, you're you're basically saying this is our strong formation, right? Yeah. So you should be able to block on offense. You got an extra blocker on your on, with your fullback, which is going to typically be your tight end, your like fourth tight end, or whoever Jesper Horstead or whoever, whoever the hell it was. I don't even remember who it was. Their 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 other Ivy League tight end. You're going to tell me you can't pick up a couple yards on it. You're going to tell me that you cannot punch it into the end zone off the two yard line. You got to anticipate that rush. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell you that, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you that, man, because we don't have, we truly don't have the personnel. To run, yeah, and that's Matt Nagy's fault. Like every year, there's cap room available, there's good run blocking interior linemen available, and we're content with going with a pass first approach. However, right. we don't have the quarterback to to make the pass first approach tire out the defense the way a Kansas City does, or you know, other high power offenses does. Where, yeah, we may be uh you know, throwing it more, but we're throwing it way better. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. we're dinking and dunking, man. Like, our passing game is a glorified running game. So Yeah, we don't we don't have a quarterback right now with a cannon. No, yeah. it's, it's like we're back to the uh, uh, Kyle Orton era. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what, exactly what this feels like. Like, it feels yes. like the Kyle Orton era, man. Three yards. It really does, dust. because when, when you... When you look at how good the defense looks and you look at how average the offense looks, uh-huh. that's exactly right. Yeah, we are in the glorified Kyle Orton era right now, of course. And I, and I'll tell you what, though. I was almost surprised 
just watching the way that the offense runs, I was almost surprised they were able to get that uh, that touchdown in the first quarter at the beginning of the game. I was like, "Well, here comes a field goal." Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was very surprised we were able to convert that man. But uh, like schematically, man, if they're gonna, you know, I mean, you got a good offensive line coach, one of the best in the business, but you're not giving right. you're not giving him a, a chance to even prove his worth, man. Like we're throwing the ball in situations where no other team in the league. Is going to throw the ball, man. It's just, it's just an ego thing at this point, if if, if you ask me. So the the one good thing is that that I'll say is that you know we saw them for the third week in a row hold a team into in the teens 20, yeah. in the teens. You know we got nineteen, nineteen, and sixteen oh, today. Yeah. So I mean that that that's you should be winning. That's what they are right now. That's exactly right. So Wayne the ugly. Good, the good thing is is that they're actually winning these games, and it's not like the defense is going out there playing maximum effort and the, mm-hmm. and the offense is losing it for them. Right, right, exactly. Like, the defense is setting the table. So, you know, Nick Foles is definitely going to be able to do enough to win. And I think that's the difference right. between, like, what, what he brings to the table as far as Mitch. He's, you know, Nick Nick Foles is streaky. You know what I mean? But when he's on, he, he's really on. Like, there was a couple of times even today where, you know, he's he's seven for seven, like, in a row. This is the thing with, with Foles is that – his ceiling is so high. It, no, his ceiling is much lower than Trubisky, yeah, but his absolutely. floor is much higher. Indeed, that's the it. difference yes. between Mitch and that's the Foles. Opposite. Yes, yeah. So, and and that's and when I, everything I heard about Mitch when they drafted him is like his ceiling was so high, but the problem is his 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 floor is so low. So now they got the guy that will never get will never be that great, but never be that terrible, and that's exactly, exactly what they need to be able to win games. Good old, yeah, good old. Well, if you wanted a top fifteen quarterback, you got him. But he's definitely number fifteen, right? <laughs> Middle of the pack as it gets. You know what I mean? And that's cool, man. If you if that's what I, I, I'm, me personally, I don't think you you bring in a Matt Nagy for that. We could have hired anybody for that type right. of production. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue to uh, uh, give us your ugly. It's, it's still Matt Nagy, Ooh. man. It's Whoa. this is what like week three weeks Co- in a row for me, Matt Nagy. Color, color me shocked. Be you, man. Be you. Oh, three be weeks you, in a row for Matt Nagy, man. Like at, at one point, man, are you gonna hand over the clipboard? Um, that's where I'm at with it now. Hand, yeah. hand over the clipboard, man. Like at, at this point, you're a good motivator. You know, the team will run through, you know, stick their head in the propeller for you and all that cool stuff. However, (laughs) what you're calling is not effective at this point, man. And you can even tell that, you know, Nick Foles and him are getting to exchanges on the sideline because he's like, come on, man. Like, I've been here before. Like, let's open it up a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's just, I I don't know, man. Even Foles can tell how predictable it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, one one thing I, I've actually I, I put in my notes, and I want to say this: the offense is taking a step backwards, not only because of the, uh, of course, the play calling and the quarterback production. It, it's it's Anthony Miller, right? All through, yeah, all, through, yeah. all all training camp, he was supposed to be. Oh, he had the best camp. Oh, he's going to tear it up this year. He had what two catches for eight yards today? Yeah, at least yeah. he caught the ball. Yeah, at least he caught right. it today. At least he caught it. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, not, Miller, yeah, that's correct. That's not going to cut it, man. T- he only had three targets. Like these They're are not the, targeting him anymore. These are second-round picks that are flaming out, man. Guys like him, guys like 
uh, Shaheen. And you, you can't have that, man. Like, uh, I draft a receiver Ooh. with my second-round pick. He's – I, I at least need good, good number two production or at least slot production there, out of him. They're just – they're not targeting anymore because Mooney Mooney had five targets today. Yeah, absolutely. And Miller had three. Miller, Miller caught all three of his targets for the first time in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's something the offense needs to explore a little more, man. Maybe maybe we need to feature uh, Mooney in the slot more. Uh, a Rob saw saw a lot of double coverage today. Yes, I, I'm, I'm starting to get afraid that he's not going as hard as well, man. Because he needs to get paid, man. That he's like top three as far as what catches and and come on, man. Let's pay that guy. Let's get him locked oh, back in. Because. Yeah, at this point, it's just foolishness by the front office. He definitely needs to get paid. Yeah. All right, Il Brown. Uh, give us your offense, defense, and coaching grade. Okay, let's get it going, man. So offense, let's start there. Offense gets a C plus from me, man. Way too many okay. opportunities left Average. out there on yeah. the field. Average. Mm-hmm. Lots of red zone opportunities we couldn't convert. C plus, got to get better. That's not going to cut it. Defense is. Uh, so good it's, at the point it's bailing out the offense. Uh, let's go defense. That's the best football. Let's, let's, let's go defense, man. Defense gets an A-plus yeah. today. Absolutely. You know, everybody came in, you know, picking the Carolina Panthers. Mike Davis this and Bridgewater is top five pass in the league that. Yeah. Man, they made Mike Davis look like Mike Davis. And they made, and they made, and, and Teddy Bridgewater was the bridge is over. The bridge is over. The bridge is over. You know what I'm saying? He looked like a jobber. He looked like, he looked like Henry Burris today. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a blast from the past right there. That's right. Like wow. Burris. Shout out to Henry Burris, man. No disrespect, but uh, <laughs> you, you jumped in the time machine and hopped in t- Teddy Bridgewater's jersey today. That's 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 all Ooh. I'm gonna say about that. Defense A plus, linebackers pass rush, secondary Jalen Johnson. No, stop picking on our rookie man. He was playing ball today, and the refs kept bailing him out. Man, he was yes. playing ball. Today. Yes, cut that yes, out. That, that, that's that's the that's the league. That's uh, NBA does the same thing. Yeah. That's just how they treat rookies. Yeah, man. they are gonna they gonna, they gonna give him the business this season, but he's holding his own, man. Uh, shout out to Jalen Johnson, man. Uh, so I, I think I think I know what you're gonna say here, but what's the number one thing the Bears need to clean up? Uh, <laughs> number one thing the Bears need to clean up. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball here. It's not on the field, oh. man. It's not on the Ooh. field. It's in the front office. It is in the oh. front office, man. They, okay. They need to take the clipboard from Matt Nagy, from Ryan Pace. I'm coming downstairs like, look, man. I'm glad to still have a job. But I kind of want to keep it that way. I need you to hand Bill Laser the clipboard. Because you're gonna get both of us fired at this point, man. If you keep calling the games like that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, help me help you hand him the clipboard, yeah, it, man. I, I, it's like he's like, here's all the ingredients I'm giving you to cook this recipe, and you keep messing, you keep burning up the food in the kitchen, man. Man, dude, you're gonna get us all fired. Matt Nagy is in the kitchen burning hot dogs right now, and it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, Yo, I'm gonna. So, so last week we talked about. Wild things or crazy things or whatever I saw on Facebook. Yeah. I just came across something. Oh, boy. If you got kids in a car, plug their ears. Oh. So that's the story here in hell. Back to you guys in the booth. This, this, this is a rough one. Ear this loves. is one of the... Now, we talked about meat meatheads and meatballs or whatever you want to call them before. This one is harsh. This is not 
there's the language ain't that bad but this this one ain't great so this is i literally just pulled up this on this up on facebook this is this is talking about a five in one team you ready for this i'm ready i'm ready let's go let's run it we need Nagy to die in a fire and Foles to tear an ACL. Get a real coach like Andy Reid who can work with the QB that took us to 12-4 and four two years ago. If Nagy loves Foles so much, get off his knees and marry him already. Whoa. I cleaned that up towards the end. <laughs> oh. Would that make you love me? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean... This these are these are supposed to be fans of the team. You're five and one. Why are you jumping off the wagon? Not even jumping off the wagon. I mean, that's, I mean what, that's are you, pushing, what are you? What are you switching? That, that's, that's, push, that's pushing your coach and your QB off a cliff. Yeah, uh, and into a volcano. I mean, come on. That's that's this is that's this typical is, meathead stuff, man. <laughs> that, that, and that's the problem. Is that that's part of the problem here? Is because we got these guys right here. We can we. I mean, Bears fans are super critical, but we're also extremely loyal and and just. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I read that just so y'all see how how people are talking about our team out there, but this is wild. No, man, that's way overboard, way overkill. Yeah, yeah I that's, mean, that's, look, that's guy, a bit much you know, for me, man. That's what I'm saying. So, like, you know, guys, you know, girls, guys, Bears fans, I know you love the team, you want them to win, but at the end of the day, these are people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you. Please, please watch what you're talking about out there. And and they're five and one. Exactly. I've never seen so many. I, I, they, if, if they were one and five, okay, I can I can see the criticism, but they're five and one. I mean, people are just so wild about this stuff, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, what are your predictions for Monday Night Football against Jared Goff and the Rams? Uh, man, you know what? I got a slugfest on deck, man. Ooh, That's gonna be a slugfest, man. Kind of similar to how how we got 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 busy with them last year. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I predict a slugfest, man. I'm gonna go seventeen thirteen. That's in our house too, yes. right? What's um? I believe so. That game, yeah, because we played them. We played them over there last year. Yeah, so that, that game's in our house, game. man. Seventeen thirteen. You know what? I'll go. I'll go twenty twenty to thirteen Bears, man. Like twenty thirteen Bears. I, okay. I, I got a feeling that the defense is going to come show up to Soldier Field. What's oh, no, we're play, no, we're they're playing in LA. We're playing in LA. Oh, so what? we so we are in the house. Okay. Well, we're going to okay. get on the plane. Yeah, we're playing in LA. Going to get on the plane. Go out there. You know what I'm saying? To you know to La La Land. Nice weather. You know, nice weather. La, la, la. You know, and same thing. Twenty thirteen Bears, man. Like, ooh, I'm not mad at it. Twenty thirteen Bears, I, I mean, man. I don't, I don't e- believe even Jared the year Goff. that they went to the Super Bowl. It's not that they weren't that impressive, realistically. No, they weren't. Nah, now the Rams are fools, gold man. And uh, anytime they get they get a solid defense, like a, a real smash mouth defense, and you know, there's there's no tie girly. They're, those running backs right. are going to look. Those running backs are going to look pretty average, and you know I believe our secondary and everybody's going to come to play, man. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and, and the rest of the gang. There's some solid guys over there, man. But uh, I, I put the money on our guys uh, up against theirs all the way. I think Cooper, Cooper Cup is going to get a his cup's going to be a little bit fuller. When he, meet, when he meets our boy Kyle, I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. Hey man, Kyle, Fuller, Kyle Fuller is uh, two for two the last two weeks, knocking dudes out of the game, Ooh, man. So man, 
Don't catch the that's ball over the middle around Kyle Fuller, man. He's he's mm-hmm. lurking that's right. right now. He is lurking. His confidence, I got to say, has got to be at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And on some Rod Woodson-esque type stuff, when he slows <laughs> down a little bit and he no longer can flip his hips and, and backpedal, get, get out of his backpedal fast enough to stay at corner, you just move right over to strong safety and let him keep killing people. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right, everybody. That's our Bears analyst, Ill Brown. Yes, sir. Check him out every week on his Bears expertise with us. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Beat the Block, available on all major platforms. Thanks, Will. All right. Every time, every time. Bear down. All right, brother. Right, brother. Meatheads, get out of here all with right. that crap, man. All right, everybody. Let's take a pause for the cause and hear a word from our sponsor. is the first anime manga company to feature characters of color bringing a level of flair and authenticity to the genre as a whole with influences ranging from Japanese manga and animation western comics, streetwear hip hop and various forms of cinema Noir has created a unique style that can be appreciated by the masses check out noircesar.com for more information Welcome back to True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. We would like to welcome a special guest to the show, the host of Being Gian on La Vida Baseball, Ozzy Gian Jr. Yeah, what's up, Ozzy? What's up, what's up, guys? Um, chilling. I love your backdrop there. Um, I'm actually excited. The Bears won. They're 5-1. and one. Um, Even Oof. if people say that they're not for real, I'd rather take 5-1 and one than 1-5, one and five, so... That that defense looked really good against the Panthers. They did, and like people, I don't consider myself an expert on the sport, but they, you know, five and one, they look pretty solid. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking playoff. Yeah. And I'm not sure Super Bowl yet, but I'm excited. I'm a Bears fan. I'm a, I consider myself a meathead Bears fan. Every year I have them at twelve yeah, wins. So. That that's us too. That, that that's <laughs> the that's the most fun type of Bears fan, and we have to be careful that we are not those because we have to be able to say we have to be able to be critical of them sometimes too, which is hard. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's dive right into some uh, White Sox baseball, man. Um, let me get your overall evaluation of how the boys perform in this short sixty game season. You know what? I have to give them credit because I was somebody that thought that they were going to play 500 baseball. Um, I thought that they okay. performed really, really well, got themselves into a playoff position. And I'm looking at the overall season. I think that the improvement right. that we saw on players at this point, uh, I think, you know, from Tim Anderson to becoming, being a very good player to starting to become an elite player. When I say an elite player, I'm talking about a guy that is flirting with the MVP on a consistent basis. I never thought that yeah, he could improve. Yeah, two years in a row. Um, that he could improve from being a batting champion. He's actually a better hitter today than he was when he was a batting champion, just on his approach oh, yeah. to, on the plate and the way that and his glove has improved uh, so much. Um, again, Dylan Cease looked amazing in only his second year, and, and it was an overall good year. They, you know, they they missed out on the playoffs, meaning uh, the sorry, meaning missed out winning the division. But I never had them winning the division, so to me, it was not something that I was like, wow, they're going to do it. I was actually more surprised that they're actually leading it, but it was a good year for them. Uh, Again, a 60 game season. What's a 60 game season. Um, I was very surprised for how it ended, um, meaning the moves that happened. But uh, I think for overall for the White Sox fans, 
it was a way better season than the years previous to it. And it was a good year for the White Sox because had they missed the playoffs this year, even with the extended with the extended play, uh, roster, uh, playoff roster, meaning more teams in the playoffs, that would have been very hurtful for them because imagine not making the playoffs when everybody makes it pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and it being such a tight season and, and how they kind of came out of the gate. and they, I mean, they held the, the lead for quite a while. Now, full disclosure, I'm a Cubs fan. Z is a Sox fan, so that's how this podcast works, so we can actually <laughs> be knowledgeable about each other's team. That kind of makes sense. You know what? The Cubs are another team. I had um, David Ross, uh, to me, is going to get votes for manager of the year. They were a team that yeah. people did not know what to expect. They got into the playoffs. Again, they couldn't hit, but they're in a good position. Um, they were actually, they actually performed to the level that I thought they would, but David Ross surprised me on how good of a manager he's going to become. Agreed. Yeah, we, we talked about that quite extensively because we weren't sure what to expect out of a guy who played with most of these players. But what what I wanted to, to get to was that, you know, being a, a Cubs fan, it's hard to admit, but I'll definitely say that at least this year, Tim Anderson was a better shortstop in the state. Yes. Hands down. Yeah, and, and it's hard to say. You know what? I hate when guys are compared. Uh, Tim Anderson has become a better player this season. I think the talent level that Javi Baez has, that he's shown that he has in a 162-game season, Javi finished second in the MVP. Again, I don't want to yeah. take any anything from anyone. Tim's a, a Tim's a batting champion. Javi was a number two in MVP voting, but like Jose Abreu's MVP, it's a 60-game MVP. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. You got it. But oh, to me, I mean, like when you're talking about like elite, do I think he's going to do it next year? Maybe for 60 games, but 162 is a way different monster. And I know people compare. Tim yeah, we Anderson, talked about that. Tim How, Anderson can, yeah. be, can win 25 batting titles. He'll never be a better defensive shortstop than Javi Baez. Right. I, I mean, and, and <laughs> you, just, you, can, just, you can look at Javi. No, it's true. And, and his physical skill as far as defense goes, you're going to be hard-pressed to show me any defensive shortstop. Maybe Ozzy Smith Ozzie that Gian. was as good. You know what? Yeah. But Javi's just special because not only shortstop, and Ozzy and I have had this argument because when you look at Ozzy Gian's numbers shortstop-wise, they're just ridiculous analytics-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. have to go gloss to show for it, but very good at his position. He said that the hardest thing that Javi does, though, he was like, if I had to play second base or third base or be able to move around, I would be very concerned um, to how good yeah. I'd be. He says that Javi is just very talented wherever they put him defensive-wise. So he, that's why he thinks that he's a special defensive he's player. He's played third a handful of times, too, and he's been very good over there, too. Correct. He just ha- he has the arm. He has the arm, and he has that, like... I don't know if it's that grit, that gut. I don't know what you want to call it, but I mean, he just—he's he, just a baseball player. He's just a natural, a natural Lindor. guy. That Francisco Lindor comes to play yes. short, and then Javi's going to go play. Javi's going to go play third base or short or second base. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, move on. If you, Ozzy Guillen Jr., were the GM of the White Sox, how would you address the needs of this team? And what players would you be looking at to add or trade for? I was going to say something smart. Uh, smart. Am I the am I the GM or am I the president <laughs> of the team? Ooh, ooh, shots wow. fired. I'm just saying, though. No, no, no. I I'm saying, it. like, if, if, is this a collective? People need to understand it's not shots at anyone. When, when you make a, when you're discussing things, even in the world of baseball, okay, mm-hmm. I think the days of somebody making a solo decision 
Jerry Jones NFL okay. style. Y- yes. Yes. I think those days are, are are far gone. I think that even when the White Sox did it back in when we were there, it's always been a collective. You know, Jerry has a, 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 a what he thinks is good. Then obviously Ozzy had an opinion. Rick and Kenny, um, and I think that's why you mm-hmm. have someone like that. I, don't, I can't even tell you who the White Sox assistant GM now because to me assistant GMs now are <laughs> unless you're the analytics guy. To me, you're like, ah, okay, what what do you do? It- oh, okay, cool, you're the assistant GM. Bring him his coffee. It's kind of it's it's almost like the manager is the assistant GM. Yeah, correct. So I th- I think that uh, I think that the collective bargaining of a thought process is, in order for you to be successful, even if you're the only person that represents your organization, or you're part of the mm-hmm. team that represents your organization, you have to think about where does the organization want to go. Why? When you think about organizations, you got to take about think about money. Okay. And mm-hmm. what is the plan? Because if your plan is to go out and spend like crazy in the open market, okay, you better have that money to, to back that up. And that if helps. you sign younger players <laughs> like the White Sox, Zitch, which I think is one of the best things they've done um, as a team, is then like what pieces do you go out for? So I think that I, I, I don't like when people talk about this analytical thing, like it's analytics or nothing. I think that there's a mix of no. the conversation. And I think that there's got to be a, it has to be a marriage. There's gotta, yeah, there's got to be a, you're not going to go get somebody because you think that he's the best analytical player. You're going to go get the best guy because everyone in the room agrees that this is the the, the kind of guy that you want to get. So I think, um, I think as a general manager, I think that I would, if I was a general manager, depending on how long my contract was, I'm looking to win right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Right. That's why in the 60 game season, I was surprised. I, I was happy that they didn't, you know, as a looking at from the outside, they didn't, they didn't give up any, anybody because they didn't go get anybody. But then you start looking back right. and saying, what happened if they had made a move for a guy mid year? Again, that's a what if thing, but the the playoffs are not guaranteed year. next year. So I think for the White Sox, it's like, right. how do we build to that building a better 162 games team? So I would address some mm-hmm. of the things that I don't think I need to decide on players. What do I really think about them? Are they the answer? And if they're not, I need to move on from them. Are there any specific players that you would target in free agency? Right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, I'm a, even though the White Sox hit a lot, I think the guy like Springer, regardless of what you think about him. Yes. I think yeah, a left-handed right that. fielder, I think it might be a good fit for the team. Again, you don't want to overpay. Um, there's a pitcher named Odorsey that pitches for the Minnesota Twins. I think that he fit very nicely in a rotation like the White Sox, um, I, I, you know, you look at teams and you have to decide, okay, like, are we looking to build a pitching staff that's going to go five to six innings and then we're going to go bullpen? Then I might go again and get a guy like Dylan Betances, okay, to help out. Okay. Or am I going to look for an elite pitcher? I think that I know everyone wants Trevor Bauer. He's super fun on, right. on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, YouTube, and he's really yeah. good at what yeah. he does. Depending on how much money he was, Trevor's done it for a 60-game season and then a little bit longer. I think that he's the most the guy that everyone thinks that they should go get. I think it's all based on money. Again, you want a guy have a guy like that talented. The scary part is when you don't get the main guy and then you go spend crazy money on a guy like Michael Stroman. A guy that's like, oh, right. you know, okay, yeah, you're great, but like you're great because you're a major league baseball pitcher, but you're not but you, you're not an elite. Yeah, you guy. paid eight money for a B player. Correct, correct. I don't think I think that the hardest thing for them right now from an analysis standpoint is because they have so much talent. When you look at Dylan, the throw the ball, Michael Kopech, throw mm-hmm. the ball, Ronaldo Lopez, throw the ball. Now crochet, throw the ball. You see so many right. potential great, so much potential greatness. 
that you're like, do I really mm-hmm. need to go spend $30 million a year for a guy that maybe C's can become? Okay. Um, so I think that's, that's the, I hard, mean, that's I the would, hard decision. Wouldn't you consider that a pretty big maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think C's, Rodon. Well, everything. Um, well, everything. I, I wouldn't you got count Rodon. Lito, you got Keiko. I, I, I wouldn't count Rodon in there. Keiko's a veteran. He's going to be there. Maybe you get a guy like Keiko. But I'm saying I, I don't think if you make the moves for those guys, you got to ride with those guys. I think that mm-hmm. the biggest mistake right. in that game was not giving the ball to either Dunning or C's and see what they had. They get shelled. You say, well, okay, they're rookies. You know, they just, they, they, right. they, they, they're, they're grooming themselves into there. If they, if they don't get shelled and they pitch an amazing game, you know, Great. Charlie Morton, by the way, people that are, everyone's on, on Tampa, Charlie Morton couldn't get an out mm-hmm. when he was a rookie, literally couldn't get an out. And, yeah. and, you know, and yeah. now, and now he's in Tampa and he's like, you know, this super stud, but I think that that's what you do. You build your own guys, you give them confidence. You, you take them to that next level. It's funny when people say that, like, when, when Ozzy took over in 2004, Mark Burley was a guy who went to an all-star game. John Garland was a, yeah. a cool cat, but nobody had, those guys didn't have crazy credentials. It's after mm-hmm. Ozzy comes here that those guys became, you know, 18 game winners, meaning, and they did it in the postseason. Freddie Garcia already had a resume. Uh, Contreras, obviously, yeah. everybody yeah. knew what he had done in Cuba. Duque, you know, just Google him and his success. But it was a confidence of, like, how do you graduate to the next level? I really feel that the White Sox have a couple arms that they can graduate to the next level. Maybe that that pitching change uh, situation, uh, who's in charge of pitching, might be the reason that mm-hmm. they might figure these guys, guys to develop forward. them. And, and you only develop pitching by having them go and, and do it. All right. So let's move on from that. And I'm glad you were talking about pitching because um, what do you think was the final straw that broke the camel's back on the quote-unquote Mutual, uh-huh. <laughs> my uh-huh. co-host. I, I, we're gonna say it. You know what it is. It yeah. was a firing of Renteria and Cooper. You know whatever they want to put on the press releases, whatever they want to put, but it is a firing of Renteria and Cooper. You know what? Do you want to say like what my my personal take is on what broke the camel's back? Yes. What, yes. What, what, we want to hear. We, we no. We want to hear from you. No, I'm just saying. For me, I, I'm gonna say this, and again, I nothing personal against Rick Renteria. I think that he's an amazing human no. being. Um. One of the things that I always thought was ironic was, and I feel bad for him now, is the White Sox would go to bat for him every single second. They would remind us that he mm-hmm. was the guy. You know, he, he, right. he'd be losing 100 games, and they would tell us how amazing he was. For me as a baseball right. person, I was like, I don't see it, okay? This is why I don't see it. Yeah. When, when, when he was managing the first year, I, I had a certain amount of expectations about in-game, app, like in-game knowledge, okay? Okay. And it was very, very low. And then the second year came and it was still not improving, improving by 1%. Where he was mm-hmm. currently sitting at as a manager, I thought his game knowledge for as many years as he had in the big leagues was below average. Okay. It was actually so a basically what you're it was actually a detriment. What you're saying team. is that he's he's the Mitch Trubisky of baseball managers. Uh, again, Mitch Trubisky is not his fault. They drafted him, so good for Mitch. <laughs> if that's on the well, what I'm team. saying is that you you expect you expect the progression expect as, the, expect, as the time went growth. on. And so it when go. I see David Ross managing the first year, everybody's like, "Oh, you're giving him the benefit." I was like, hey, "He's a first year manager. Like even if he played in the big right. leagues, like it's his first year." So I thought that he handled the bullpen very well. Like I thought that he moved guys in a in a very hard situation, like the Ked Crimbrough. Like man, the guy played with him. You know how hard it is to tell your friend, "Hey, dude, you suck." Give me the ball. It, it's yeah. those are things as a manager yeah. that are very hard to that's very hard to do. Ricky, though, things kept happening of like Ricky's boys don't quit and then guys wouldn't run. And then it's like, oh, is Ricky holding them accountable? Yeah. The only person he would hold accountable was Moncada, but he wouldn't hold other guys right. accountable. Um, he would hold exactly. Ronaldo Lopez accountable, but he wouldn't hold anybody else accountable. He would take out a guy 
with, in a great game, you know, when, with one out to get a quality start, and then he would take him out, and then the guy would lose the game. But then if a guy was getting mm-hmm. shelled, he would leave him in the game. You bring rookies to like debut in like a high leverage situation. So there was things that you, as a manager that you're like, man, this is, and then he would say things like, Oh, I don't believe in the numbers. And it's like, well, I thought you were there because you liked the numbers. So right. it was it's just all, very I mean, confusing. Analytics. And I know right. people said it, and I'm going to say baseball players are always going to say we like our manager. Okay. They're always mm-hmm. going to say that. Yeah. They're never going to talk about how they truly feel unless the stuff is like really, really bad. So I think that at the end of the day, I think that's what got exposed. And then they saw that he wasn't the right guy. You finally brought a veteran mm-hmm. in like Dallas Keuchel that, and, 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 yeah, and, uh, and just Monty Grandal that might've been pressing some concerns of, mm, I don't know if this guy's ready for it. The, I'll tell you guys, right. you guys think this is going to be funny and people are going to be like, this Ozzy's so stupid. So <laughs> did you guys watch him manage the last game? Like not moves, just how he physically yes. looked. Yes. Okay, yes. So he was like this. Lost. I, I have to do it. I have to show you in the video. Yeah. He was managing like this. This is awesome. Okay. Oh he's yeah. On he's the squatting. Top yeah, he's squatting. Okay. This yeah. is the guy that in the last series in Cleveland was hiding behind the batter's rack the whole season and was pulling the I call it the Joe Torre. Joe Torre never moved. He just sit there. Yep. You know that was a standard yes. move. Ozzy sat. Was, Ozzy was, sat in the little area there in the little bench with his towel. Yeah. Um, you know. Exactly. Uh, you got Aaron Boone does the thing. You know, he's up there. He's watches with one step down. Bobby Cox would do the same thing. Yes. Every manager has a style, okay? And no style is wrong, okay? But players know what your style is. When you're on the top step right. with your hands on your knees and you've never done that all year long, you're like, what's up with you're this You're panicking dude? mode. Like this dude right. is he's, a, he's in panic mode. It's Correct. It's, there's, no, there's no decisiveness in what he does. Correct. No. So for me, that was, I was like, looking at it from like an outside, like if I was in a, like if I was sitting in the clubhouse in the dugout in that moment, what guys would, what I would think guys would be saying, they would, I would be like, this guy is losing it right now. And he got kicked out in a couple big, people don't realize this. So like one of the things that people, that makes me mad is people think that Ozzy's crazy. So I kept tweeting about like the numbers of ejections I think there's a mm-hmm. time and place for ejections. Maybe the first one was okay, yes. but you can't get kicked out the second game. You're in a big, really, you're in a really, really big game. You know, even right. though we don't think you're a great manager to some fans and Super Joe might have been a better option, as a team, we still Probably. need you there. So I think that there was a combination mm-hmm. of everything. I just feel bad for him because I literally felt like he thought, I, I think that if he would have known that his job was on the line, he would have been more aggressive during press conferences. I think that he was, I feel bad because I feel like he thought that if he said everything that was supposed to be said, that he would not get fired. And at the end of the day, he got fired. Well, uh, how, how do you, how do you not see that? Yeah. I mean, Dude, you're you, like you were saying in your job, if your boss tells you every day, Hey man, you're doing amazing. No. Just keep doing what you're doing. And by the way, this guy knows he's the only other Latino manager other than Ozzy. And they're like, well, Ozzy Guillen's not here. He's at a world series ring. So I can't go out and right. be crazy yeah. and say what I really feel because they're definitely going to fire me. At the end of the day, you still got fired. Mm. Bro, at the end of the day, you have to do the job to the best of your ability, Correct. whether your boss says this or that. And they now, the players, Mendick, like you, they, they sent Danny Mendick down ooh. and there was no more dancing. That's when it was all done. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that <laughs> no more, no more, no more Dude, doves. Look, no look at the stats. They dubs. send those guys down, and yeah. it was weird. They, they again, there's the things that you look at, but you know, he's a great guy. I think that he's going to make a great uh, coach somewhere. Um, I'm surprised they didn't leave him on the staff as a coach. Um, 
I don't even know if they offered it to him. Would you would you stay after they fired you as a manager though? I mean, I mean, as a game uh, junior, how am I financially? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, look, he, here's the thing though. Like, he, I feel like when they when they got him on the White Sox, he was, and it's hard not to see it this way at, for as far as his perspective. But how do you not know that you're just kind of the warm up guy? You're the trainer. You're not the guy that's going to be leading. And I think he knew you, you that know, though. I think them. there's a part of me that knows that's what that I'm saying. I think there's a part of me that he was like. So I think it's funny because you know he got a ring from the Cubs, right? Yes, I would, yeah, never wear that. Way, I would never wear that. If I was a, I would never wear it. I'd, I'd have it there. You wouldn't, like, or he shouldn't. He shouldn't. That's what I'm saying, though. But like, maybe there's a okay, part of yeah. him that he's like he knew that. But and that's but, but that's what I mean, though. I mean, like the way that they were approaching it, okay, from a from a from a sell standpoint, they reminded us every mm-hmm. single day, this is the guy, okay, like literally yeah. every day, like they were reminded us, like, are, we have the manager, and not just like, hey, go manage, right. you know, like. And talk about development. It was like, no, Ricky's our guy. And I think that yeah, that's Ricky's the part guy. where fans were confused because it had they just had let him manage. And, and the Cubs did it. The Cubs started rebuilding like with Dale Swate. The Cubs, they weren't, yeah. Jim Henry was not coming down every day and saying, he's our guy. We're going to win a World Series with him. It's like, no, he's just, he's the manager. I, I, they didn't do he's that even with Ozzy. When Ozzy took right. over in 04, they didn't tell, you know, Kenny didn't jump on, on the TV every single five minutes and say, this is the guy who's going to take us to a World Series. He was just like, no, he's the new manager yeah. and that's it. So I feel like that's the part where people were confused. Again, now looking back at it, maybe they were overselling him because they always knew that he, he wasn't was the guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they were just gassing him up. I mean, so now we're we're thinking about managers now. <laughs> so now that we kind of got that little appetizer out of the way with some of the stuff that we already did, let's let's get to some some of the meat and potatoes. What did you, did you watch that uh, the White Sox press conference? I did. With, uh, I did. I watched all. I, I I did. I did. I did. I did because I already knew that the call had already been made. Okay, um, to Ozzy. Um, okay. Yeah. So I knew it. I wanted to see if it was going to be addressed, at what point it was going to be addressed. Um, again, it, it was uh, the Chicago media is just so soft. They're like Charmin. It's just hilarious. They ask them, <laughs> I love it. They're, they're yeah. at, they don't ask the, the, the hard questions. And it's okay. Like, I'm part of it. Again, I would never be in that room because I think it'd make everyone feel really awkward. And they would take it from a point of not professionalism, yeah, but. This kid's just being a bitter guy, even though I'm 36 with two kids. Um, I think that it was it was confusing because I think that as a as a as a as Ozzy's son, I appreciate that the fact they said that he wasn't in the running from the beginning. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Rip the band-aid off. It's what it is. We've already we've already made our peace with it. It's okay. Okay. Because we had, I mean, we had, we had, I mean, we've been watching this. We've been seeing fans clamor, bring back Ozzy, bring back Ozzy, bring back Ozzy. Yeah, but you know, even, and, that, and even from a fan's perspective point, there's a couple of things that people don't realize. Number one, some idiot row. It's because of Ozzy and the Cuban thing. And I said, I bet Ozzy was texting more with Joao Moncada and Jose Abreu than texting, not seeing him in the same yes. right, right, yeah, because there's a personal relationship. We're very close mm-hmm. to certain guys on the team because of religious purposes, uh, because of friendships that we've had from the past, just because we want, right, we right. want to wish those guys really well. You know, we, everybody knows that we support connection. TA in mm-hmm. anything that he does, um, you know, just like we do guys in the Cubs from like a, a charity standpoint. So there's, there's, a, there's right. actually a really great relationship because Ozzy's gotten a chance to meet some of these guys and it's been really cool. So that, that one's out of the question. I think as a, as, a, as a baseball man, okay, when you ask me if I was the general manager, okay, when Ozzy interviewed here in 2003, he wasn't a number one candidate 
for the for the position. No, he wasn't. If anyone says that he okay. was, they're full of it. It was Cito Gaston. No, he wasn't. Cito Gaston was a guy, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Ozzy's in the right position, the right place at the right time. Jack McKeon is promoting Ozzy. We're whooping up on the Cubs. The Marlins, it was like the right time. Ozzy goes to the interview and just lays it out on the table, okay? Wait, 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 wait. Wasn't he hungover? Well, he was hungover. Like, he, people <laughs> think it's like a bad thing to say that. He just got done <laughs> celebrating his first World Series ever. Right. So he has the interview, and he's yeah. like, and this is the part to understand. Ozzy took the interview because my mom was like, hey, you got to go there. But at that time, he was so disconnected from the White Sox, like emotional-wise, mm-hmm. because of everything that had okay. happened in the past for him as a player, that he knew when Jack right. McKeon was done managing that he was going to be the Marlins manager. So he was just like, I'm just chilling. Mm-hmm. Like Jack was like, everybody knew that that was like the transition because Ozzy managed that Marlins team. Jack was there, did the PR stuff, but like with the players, Ozzy had been there from spring training. He was the whip and Jack and him worked together. Jack McKeon signed Ozzy. Okay. So it was a very good combination. So Jack McKeon mm-hmm. mentored Ozzy. So everybody knew that if Ozzy doesn't get this job, he's probably the next Marlins manager because we didn't know how long Jack nice. would be around. And he loved being the third base coach for Jack. You know, you're learning so much. Like Jack had just gone there. So right. it was a good situation for him. Um, and he was at the time living in Miami. So he gets the interview mm-hmm. and he blows Kenny away. Okay. He blows Kenny away. You guys can look at the 2005 World Series videos when people used to talk positively about yeah. Ozzy and everything they said about him <laughs> when he was a genius of baseball. Okay. Right. Because Ozzy came in and said, I'm a winner. I've just came in one. I've been running spring training and, and a lot of the good thing is, and I'm very grateful for that. A lot of people vouch for Ozzy from, from guys like Bobby Cox, Jet McKeon, Jim, yes. uh, Jeff Torborg, um, rest in peace, Jim Fergosi, guys that had seen Ozzy um, in different facets. He coached against him. Uh, uh, Joe Torrey uh, gave a good review that they were like, man, no, this kid's ready. Yeah. Like this kid's legit. So he wins the spot and, and Ozzy wins it. Okay. Regardless of what your opinion was of Ozzy, things that transpired off the field, meaning when he was at the White Sox, because it wasn't all perfect and things that got a little personal and whatnot. Ozzy on the field was very good. Okay. Even though White Sox fans don't think so, look at the stats. We beat the Pakota predictions every single year. They, him and Kenny mm-hmm. were a very, very good, uh, very good combo. Okay. Ozzy's whole thing when he was there, okay, about analytics was analytics were very new at the time. Okay. Ozzy did not like the numbers that he would get. Okay. Mm-hmm. He would say some of these so numbers going are be, more at, meaning, well, I'm saying like based on experience, not right. only based on experience. Okay. The analytics were newer. Okay. And also just because you have numbers doesn't mean that they're the right numbers. Okay. So in, in a few words, Ozzy thought that the white side scouting report back in the day were not very good compared mm-hmm. to what he had seen okay. with the Marlins. Okay. With other teams, okay. and he so would, more on the more more on the department rather than numbers that on, were actually being correct. Not and, and that wasn't a knock because again, people don't realize this. <clears throat> Kenny doesn't do this. Kenny's the boss. Okay, so it was more on a knock on mm-hmm. like this is BS. So, the, but that type of friction would make the work very good. But Ozzy always loved the numbers. They always used them. Uh, the, the department would, he, I guess, he would. You could say that he he would force them, okay, to like work okay. be better. Like, okay, you want Carlos Quinton to lead off, but why? Explain it to me. Yeah. convince me yeah. and if you mm-hmm. convince me i will make him you know i will hit him there so until he punches the bat c- correct so <laughs> i think that it was a very it was a very good it was a very good as as hostile as it was with so much testosterone it was a very good give and take okay every day i think i think kenny's i think kenny williams is very underrated baseball wise i think he's a very very smart mm-hmm. baseball man 
uh, and a great player developer. He, he knows his stuff, okay? And Rick's very good with money. Very good team. Things happen. Ozzy wanted to get paid, okay? Yeah. That's why he leaves. It's a money situation. I think for this situation, though, the fact that you wouldn't interview him again to see if he can convince you again, that's the part that I'm like, why didn't they do that? That's the part that it makes me like think like, okay. if I had a guy that I was successful with, Steve Jobs with Apple, I'm like, I'm bringing back the guy, not to hire him, at least to sit down and say, you need to convince me why you need to come back. Or why you should like, right. let us know what, what you're, what, what, tell us, give us an idea of why you should or why you, you know, why, so we can at least give you an idea why you should come back. I'll give you a perfect example, man. If Ozzy goes into the interview and we've been preparing Ozzy and, and he believes it, if Ozzy walked into the interview and they asked him about, what do you think about shifting and platooning and spin rate? And he's like, that's all BS. It's not real. And it's mm-hmm. done. I'd say, thank you, Ozzy. You, you can see yourself out the door. And that's okay. Right. But Ozzy has a plan. Like we have a plan from like when the meetings would be held, like the number of coaches that would be in what position in order to analyze the analytics. Um, we would have, mm-hmm. we would compare the analytics to other analytics departments that we've been around and like worked with and see okay. what they have and, and kind of shared. So there's a plan. And it's like, we really believe that there's the power of knowledge and then the power of like experience and bringing them both together. So that's the part no, that I, there's got to be a merit. There's got to be a merit. And that's going to be the situation. I think, again, the candidates that they brought. So the part of the, and we lost track of that. The part that was very surprising about the press conference was the words that were used. Maybe they were the wrong words, but they use the words. We mm, want a manager that yeah. is one in this time. Okay. What's time? What, what, what consists of, yeah. what consists of recent? In what, in what time frame? Correct. Right. There was no time frame. Well, because given there's only two general. guys that are available at the moment again. Right. So, you say that, and then a week, uh, not even a week, like two days later, Tony's number one candidate. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. The True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast will return after a brief message from our sponsors. But don't forget to tune in next week to part two of our exclusive interview with La Vida Baseball's own Ozzie Guillen Jr. Ozzie Guillen Jr. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Mm-hmm. It's that time again. Oh, boy. Right, it's, yeah, you know what time it is, brother. <laughs> it's time for stirring the part, Yeah. All right, what do you got today, man? What do you got? I got something near and dear to my heart. Oh, boy. You know I just started a new gig. <laughs> yes, you did. I won't go that in-depth into it. Something but, to do with... <laughs> never mind. I was going to say something. Yeah, like, don't say nothing. Don't say don't nothing. Say nothing. <laughs> anyway, I got two of my, uh, my compadres at my new trabajo. Mm, oh, look at you. Bilingual. Uh, si, senor. <laughs> and uh, they have a very strong affinity for apples. What kind of apples? Like, like green apples, red apples, gala apples? Like what kind of apples? Apples, man. <laughs> Washington apples? apples? <laughs> Washington, California, Illinois, wherever they can get apples. <laughs> so here's my question to you. Yes, sir. Apples. Yes or no? Yeah, man. Come on, look. You, you put them in the taffy and you put the peanuts on it. <laughs> All day, every day, taffy apples, baby. 
Oh, come on, man. Yeah. That's like the most boring fruit. It's like the one like... <laughs> apple pie, apple. apple cider, apple donuts. Come on, man. It's, it's, it's the season. Yeah, okay. Take back apple sauce, apple jacks, man. Get that mess out of apple here. Apple jacks? Oh, hell yeah. Give me the apple jacks. That, apple not, sauce you can have. I don't care about apple sauce. Apple, apple sauce. juice? Yes. Apple juice, apple yes. jacks, apple sauce, <laughs> uh, whatever, man. Get out of here. Apple rings, you know, instead of the peach rings, give me the apple rings. Get out of here. It's yeah. so boring. Nah, come on, it's man. It's so boring. Nah, man. Get out of here. How Apple about them apples, baby? <laughs> oh, man, come on. Oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. So, I, I know I'm going to win this one. I know the fans are going to side with me this time. Whatever, man. The boring, most boring fruit you could possibly find. Give me some mango or something, bro. Oh, see, now, now you're appealing to my Caribbean side. That's okay, Mike. Okay. We're going to share that side, <laughs> But my, that's my point. It was like, hi, can I have an apple, please? Like, oh, yes. You just told me how boring you are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I still like apple pie, though. Uh, apple pie is fine, but it's got to have a lot of sugar and cinnamon. What's uh, on ice cream. See? Look how many things you got to use that, to mask that <laughs> apple, bro. <laughs> It's a cinnamon. That's terrible. Uh, whatever, brother. All right, y'all. Let's wrap this up. Wrap it. Let's get out of here. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Nora Caesar, Villain Radio Studios, and Grit Clothing Company. Get your shirts. Don't forget to check out gritclothingcode.com and use our promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% off your entire order. Thanks to our Bears analyst, Ill Brown. Don't forget, don't forget to check out his podcast, Beat the Block, which is available on all major platforms. Shout out to Ronesh, our producer, Jay Soto. Shout out to Mike Logic and Ideal from the All Net Podcast. They're going to be taking a break, but they'll be back when the NBA is back in action. And a big shout out to our special guest, Ozzy Guillen Jr. Yes, sir. Don't forget to check back next week for part two of our interview with one of the stars of Being Guillen on LaVidaBaseball.com and don't forget to check us out on social media you can find us at True Shy Fans on Twitter that's True CHI Fans and we're on TikTok find us on Facebook Instagram YouTube Spotify and reach out to us on our email we want to hear from you guys reach us at True Chicago Sports Fans at gmail.com and until next time be good to each other for the love of sports. Yeah, I'm a man. Full grown man. How about them apples? A few moments later. You have a lot of incest. That's real. Shut your mouth. Lover boy. Nature versus nurture, Lodge. Nature always wins. I think he's on steroids. Hasta luego, amigos. Show's over, show's over, show's over. <laughs>